0: to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer podcasts, which are now entering their fourth year of broadcast. Who would have thought that when Seth died in 2014, all these years later we would be making a podcast in his memory. It's a really exciting time for Charlotte and me. We've been recording 30 podcasts, one for each day in November, as part of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Charlotte has been talking to all kinds of people involved with pancreatic cancer and over the next 30 days we will hear lots of personal stories. Stories of love, stories of commitment, stories of hope and sadly as always with pancreatic cancer stories of loss. Each story will help you understand the challenges of pancreatic cancer as well as the signs and symptoms. And will help you to have conversations with people and ensure that they are aware of what to look out for join us each day for our purple rainbow podcast if you miss any of the episodes you can catch up by visiting www.purplerainbow.co.uk where all of the podcasts will be stored for you to listen to at your leisure follow us on your podcast channel like and share And join us for an interesting month with lots of stories of love and hope.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts. This episode is one of 30 you'll be getting across November 2021 for Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. I'm Charlotte and today I'm talking to Jill, Now, over the past two decades, Jill has been diagnosed with a number of primary cancers, including pancreatic cancer. One of those cancers, though, probably saved her life. I'll let Jill explain.
2: 21 years ago, I was diagnosed with primary breast cancer about this time. And uh, I had eight months worth of treatment, including six months of chemotherapy, chemotherapy. Uh, Thirty sessions of radiotherapy and an operation, not a full mastectomy, um, and to all intents and purposes, it was almost like a year out of my life. And then it was all over and done with, and you know, we we moved on in the in the best way that we can. And it was uh, strange, strange times afterwards. Really, it was very difficult during the period, but very strange times afterwards. I I won't say I forgot about it because you never, ever forget about being diagnosed with cancer. Uh, But, you know, I moved on. Um, I helped found uh, an organization called Bosom Buddies, and we do fundraising throughout the year. We also ran a support group in a local hotel on a monthly basis, basically because I went to a couple of support groups and found they really weren't for me. Um, And I wanted something where people could feel... I didn't want everyone sitting there going, "Oh, woe is me! Why has it happened to me? It's, my life is so awful, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, and people beating themselves up. I wanted people to go into it with um, a more positive feel, and to feel that there was support out there, and that we could all, you know because we'd been diagnosed with cancer didn't mean to say we couldn't still have a good time and we still couldn't have a laugh and we still couldn't do a lot of fun things so a lot of drinking went on once a month at this hotel um, lots of laughs and we did lots and lots of things to raise money so we moved on did you know did a lot of things a lot of fun things Met a lot of lovely people lost a lot of lovely people sadly as you do when you're associated with people with cancer and then To my great shock in 2015, I found another lump in the same breast, Um, raced off to see my consultant, who was just marvellous. He's been, oh God, such a support to all of us, you know, over the years. Um, And he, literally, I had all my tests that afternoon and there was another primary lump. Um, Very luckily, it wasn't secondary. It was a primary lump, just happened to be in the same breast. But he is, he, He is a very thorough man. He's retired now. Um, But he checked me out for lots and lots of other things. And at the time, he discovered that I actually had cancer on the tail of my pancreas, um, which was a terrible shock because, in fact, we'd just lost a friend about two months before to pancreatic cancer. And um, it was very quick, as it often is with pancreatic cancer. And so I had the shock of having to have another operation and then having to deal with what was happening with the pancreatic cancer, and you know, I just thought I'm just going to have the operation because they wanted to do the. Then he referred me to another consultant for pancreatic cancer, um, and they decided that what they'd do is they would actually operate to remove the breast cancer first, um, and then there were all sorts of things that the um, specialist for pancreatic cancer wanted to do uh, to protect me in the future after the operation, uh, including a number of vaccinations that would take four or five weeks to take effect. Because at the time of what he had to do, he had to obviously remove the tumour from the the pancreas, but he also had to remove my spleen as well, because it was in an area that was connected to my spleen. Who knew all these things? I didn't. Um, And the spleen protects you from infections, which again, I didn't know that either. So um so I had the operation. I was only in hospital for I think a day and a half, came out, um, had um all my various vaccinations, um, I then had um some more tests and um a procedure with a camera down so they could have a look and how they were going to operate, etc. I then dashed off for a two-week holiday. I was desperate to get some sun before whatever was going to happen to me happened to me. And I actually came back and went sort of straight, almost straight into hospital. Um, and um, I don't know why, but I expected to come out and skip, be skipping across the car park back into my car like four or five days later, but I wasn't. I was. It was a very major operation. I hadn't realised just how, maybe I shouldn't take it in, how major it was. Um, and I was actually in hospital for 13 days and still felt pretty bad when I came out Um And I then had to wait to recover from the operation and then I had to have um, a course of chemotherapy again, um, which was three weeks on, one week off um, for six months, which was pretty tough. The first chemotherapy I had back in the year 2000, 2001, um, it was three types of chemotherapy. I had a constant... um, Bag of um, one type, and then every four weeks I went in to have an infusion of another two types, and they were pretty tough. But I carried on, you know, I traveled, I worked, I was running a business. um, And although it used to hit me hard about three days of the month, and the build up was quite a lot, and it was quite tiring. Um, I actually coached, but oh, the chemotherapy after the operation for the pancreatic cancer was really, really tough. Um, and I had to really grit my teeth to get through it. Um, in fact, I actually thought the chemo was killing me, never mind the cancer. It was that bad. But however, um, I tried to make life as normal as possible. And um, one of the things I did do is I actually arranged and I paid for um, to have treatment in in the States, in America. I've got a house there and we like to spend quite a lot of time there. So I actually arranged with my consultant um, in the UK to get all the information that I needed to send it to a cancer center near where I live. Um, and the cancer center near where I live agreed to give me my chemotherapy and to do the you know the usual blood test to make sure you weren't going to be killed by it and all of that sort of thing. Um, and So I actually did have some treatment in America, which I paid for in America. Um and then uh, when I came back um it was christmas, and um it was I was still feeling really pretty rough from the chemo. I lost three stone, and um I'm not a huge person, and it's sometimes you think you'd like to lose half a stone or three quarters of a stone, but three stone nothing fitted me it was awful um but um I gradually recovered and moved on from there Wow, <laughs> what a what a it's because I was going to say a few years, but it's 21
1: years. What are 21 years you've had?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I then had, I actually then had another cancer two years later. Um, uh, I I um, was being very, very carefully looked after, you know, my breast consultant, the pancreatic consultant, and I was having, uh, you know, scans and tests like every six months, etc. And they were a bit keeping a very, very close eye on me. And... Um, it was the pancreatic cancer specialist who picked up on one of his scans that i'd ha- got a like a notification of some sort of node in my lung that was um a, sort of showing something so he tested it out and i actually had primary cancer again none of these cancers were associated with each other um in my right hand lung so i three years ago went into hospital um and had p- piece of my lung taken out um i didn't have to have any chemotherapy or anything um in fact I came out of hospital and went, put two Christmas trees up and went Christmas shopping. (laughs) Um, uh, So that was actually a very easy operation in comparison to the pancreatic cancer. So, yeah, I've actually had four different types of primary cancer. Um, So as you can imagine, I am kept a very close eye on just to make sure that nothing's cropping up elsewhere. makes life a bit difficult sometimes because every time you get a pain or a twinge, you think, oh, my goodness, you know, is something else happening? Um, But... uh, no i've been yeah i've been very lucky actually i've been very lucky things have been picked up early If my my pancreatic can if i hadn't had breast cancer for the second time i would not have had my pancreatic cancer picked up probably until it was too late but because at the time it was picked up you know it was very early um, and they were able to operate which was fantastic because a lot of people masses of people a huge percentage cannot even have an operation and they won't bother because it's gone too far.
1: I was going to pick up on that point as of almost having breast cancer potentially saved your life.
2: It did. It did. It absolutely did. And having the consultant I, I had, who I became very close to because um obviously I saw him quite a lot outside of hospital appointments as well, because we were doing all this fundraising for his hospital and his centre, etc. Um, uh he was he was just so thorough i mean i'm sure that a lot of other consultants would have actually said oh yes you've got breast cancer again let's get on and let's deal with it but he wanted to check me out completely and if he hadn't done that you know i would probably have presented with pancreatic cancer at a stage where there was nothing that could be done about it so i was very very lucky and this is another
1: thing because there's i think there's a lot of people that having gone through what you'd gone through, we'd go, Oh, I must be so unlucky. I must be so unlucky to have all of this happen to me. But you're saying you're you you feel very lucky.
2: Yeah, I very I'm very lucky that I had the consultant I had right from the outset. I'm very lucky that he made the investigations when I presented with breast cancer again 15 years later. Um I had fantastic, fantastic treatment with my pancreatic consultant who is just the, the most marvellous but so i had two excellent consultants and i've now got a lung consultant who's also very excellent so uh, so i've got three well my best consultant has actually retired he retired last year which was a very sad moment so i've got a new one now so i'm beginning to get to know him a little bit as well now so and he's very aware i've got he calls me his complex case because i was <laughs> handed i was handed over as a complex case from um, my first consultant to my second breast consultant but uh, no so i feel i've been very lucky and i think anything that can be done Um, i didn't realize until after i had pancreatic cancer that um, uh, pancreatic cancer action was actually based about 10 miles drive away from where i live Um, so i got in touch with them to see if there was anything i could do Um, to help them and uh, occasionally they want people to stuff envelopes or you know things like that simple things in the office Um, I went and gave them a hand to review a a couple of plans that one of the marketing people had um, because that's my background and um, I also stood on Waterloo Station with a giant blow up pancreas um, a couple of Novembers ago you know trying giving out leaflets to raise awareness and to uh, to collect some funds um, I've done a few things uh in the November they um uh pajamas for Pankang. So a couple of years I've done in my pyjamas fundraising in my house with cakes and people coming and stuff like that, and gardening in my pyjamas as well. Um so I got to know them very well, lovely, lovely people, and I their their real focus is on finding a test of some sort, probably a blood test, you've probably been reading about the you know the latest things about the blood test to actually identify pancreatic cancer a whole lot earlier so that people can have um, treatments operations chemo um, which will become more successful because the figures are shocking in the last 50 years there's been no improvement at all really in the survival figures you know most people get diagnosed when really they've got no time left at all. I have a friend in America whose husband um, presented one day with terrible, terrible pains and went to the ER there. Um, and he actually had pancreatic cancer and he was dead three weeks later. And this is not uncommon. This is a common story. A lot of people, I mean not just with pancreatic cancer, but a lot of people are diagnosed with cancer when they go to in America they call it the emergency room, but you know, when we when we when we go to emergency um and um it's too late you know nothing can be done and that's terrible and it's and the trouble is it's a lot of younger people you know people with families and um they've you know, still got a lot of life in front of them I'm not saying because you're younger you need more life in front of you I feel I want a lot of life in front of me as well but you know and I'm older but um you know it's just a terrible terror and the statistics as I say are shocking and There's a number of people who do a huge amount of work trying to raise awareness, trying to raise awareness of the symptoms. And one of the things that Pancreatic Cancer Action, for instance, has done is they've actually done a huge programme of trying to make GPs aware of what the symptoms are. Um, And um, because if you look at the symptoms, they could be anything really. So, and that's the problem. So you do need a test. So the blood test that they're all working on the research companies are all working not just for pancreatic cancer, but for a number of cancers are very, very important.
1: Yeah. I certainly want to be talking to more people like you, Jill, than the families of people who've lost members of their family or their loved ones, because that, and that's what it's about. An early diagnosis is just the key. It's in any, any cancer, but pancreatic cancer, especially, it just feels like this might be a question that you don't want to answer. And that's absolutely fine. Um, Which cancer diagnosis
2: has scared you the most? My first one, funnily enough. Um, And when I think of how how I was, um, there's been a few things. I I belong to a number of cancer groups and have a lot of associates on Twitter. Um, And somebody posted, you know, what did you feel like when you were first diagnosed with cancer? And I was shocking. I mean, I was just awful. Um, I'm a a pretty outgoing, confident person. Um, As a general rule, I was running my own business. I had 40 odd people working for me. I was in public relations and marketing, so I was traveling all over the world. Um, And, you know, I wasn't phased by much. And when I got my diagnosis, I was just, I'm ashamed to say, I just couldn't cope. I was, um, I couldn't speak. I literally almost couldn't speak for nearly two weeks. And, you know, if someone phoned, I couldn't speak to them. I could barely speak to my daughters. I couldn't speak to my husband. I was just in complete shock. And um, it was... When I look back of how awful I was, I just... I really can't believe it was me. I just can't believe it was me. But well, interesting enough, it's actually set um, the... Uh, I don't know, it it's set a behaviour in me which has never left me because it was October and I actually was, by the time I was then, I was terrible with all these different tests and that was my head was spinning um, and I do not really know what I was doing. I didn't know how to cope. Um, but the one thing in my head was, well, that was it. I was probably going to die and I'd probably be dead before Christmas. So I went and did all my Christmas shopping. And to this day, if my Christmas shopping isn't done by the end of October, I beat myself up. And it's it's just like one of those things that has stuck with me. Um, and when I was diagnosed, when I got found my second lump fifteen years later, I was sort of I wasn't blase about it, but I just felt quite calm about it. And felt well, I can see Mark, my consultant. He will sort it out. And I was okay last time, and I can cope with what they throw at me again. And then when I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, I was thinking, okay, this is. Just terrible, terrible news. But let's cope with the breast cancer first and then cope with the pancreatic cancer. And I had such a lot of confidence in my original consultant, my breast consultant and who he referred me to, uh, that he was looking after me and that whatever, and I believed what they told me and I did what they told me. And, you know, people know a lot of things about their cancer which I never asked about so I never asked what type of breast cancer I had Um, and I only knew what type of pancreatic cancer and what stage I was at when I was being treated in America when the specialist there said to me oh I see you've had an operation for blah, blah 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 pancreatic cancer and I said oh what does that mean and because but I know a lot about cancers now because I'm on a lot of you know forums and research it. And so, but for myself, I didn't probe. I just trusted what I was told to do. If it was my daughter, I wouldn't be trusting it. I'd be asking every single bloody question and looking into it. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear, you know, but, uh, you know, it's... It's funny what we do to protect ourselves, isn't it? It is. Yes, and I think that you're right. I think that's what I was doing. I think I was protecting myself. And by the time I came out of this, it was just over 2 weeks. It's almost like a fugue set on in on me when I was first diagnosed. By the time I came out of it, it was all about focusing on what I had to do next to get on with it. So, that's
1: what it did. We've talked a little bit about the vague symptoms that present themselves ahead of a pancreatic cancer diagnosis. Looking back with the power of hindsight, which we all know is 2020 and perfect (laughs) in every way, shape or form. Yeah. Do you think you had any of those symptoms beforehand?
2: I only think I had one. And that was I was I was told I was type two diabetic about a year before. Um, Now, whether that would have if I'd have said, oh, that's one of the symptoms of pancreatic cancer. Can you please can I have a scan to make sure I haven't got it? Which I would do now. I would say to people, go and ask for a scan now. if That's what's what, happened to you. But it, I think the trouble is for type two diabetes. Everyone thinks of it as a lifestyle um, illness. Um, and if you lose a bit of weight and you stop eating this, that, now you, you can definitely reverse it. We all know that from the you know the the, the results and the the research that goes on. Um, and but no, I didn't even know it was a symptom of pancreatic cancer. I just thought, oh, I've put a bit of weight on and I'm eating too much sugar and I have a quite I'm traveling all over the place and eating at funny times. So I have an unhealthy lifestyle. But so no. But now I would say to someone, oh, get yourself checked out because it is a it is one of the symptoms.
1: Thank you so much to Jill for spending time with me and talking with me for the podcast. Just remarkable and lots of great insights. So thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Please share this podcast, leave us a review and a rating. Um, It really helps get the visibility out there for the podcast. We're here every day in November, raising awareness of pancreatic cancer. You can find out more about the podcast at purplerainbow.co.uk. And I will be back tomorrow with a new episode.